Hello, and welcome to the Without Exception podcast. My name is Josiah Ott, and on this podcast, I seek to share practical content for everyday Christians. My hope is that I can help you live out your faith each day without exception. Thank you for joining me. This is episode number nine, and today I'm concluding the discussion of wilderness by covering the temptation or testing of Jesus himself in the wilderness. If you've not already listened to episodes number seven and eight, I discussed the idea of wilderness, opened that up um, by talking about Moses's time in the wilderness and also the nation of Israel's time in the wilderness and how they prolonged their time. And so if you haven't already listened to those episodes, I would ask if or suggest, I guess, that you go back and start with those. Either way, I think this will be a blessing to you, right? The time of wilderness, it's a dry time in our lives spiritually where God might feel distant. And it's something that we all go through. So I decided to do a little mini series here of three different podcast episodes discussing this idea of wilderness. Now, before we get started today, I have two quick things I want to go over, I guess, quick notes. First is thank you to everybody who has been on and listening. I've had quite a few different people that have been listening since the beginning, I believe. I think a couple people, I'm assuming, have listened to every episode, but I've definitely had some people that have stuck along with it, and that means a lot to me. I really appreciate each and every one of you who are willing to support me in this. I know that it takes up some of your time, and there's probably like tens of thousands of podcasts, I believe, that you could choose to listen to. And for anybody that has taken the time to choose mine over something else, that means a lot to me, and I appreciate that. Another thank you to everybody who has followed me along on social media and supported me there. If you don't, I ask that you would maybe hop on and and find me. I'm at without.exception.podcast on Facebook. You can like the page there, or without underscore exception underscore podcast on Instagram. And I try throughout the week to share a little bit of extra content and then some excerpts from the podcast. I think it'll be helpful. And I thank you to everybody who's hopped on there. And a big thank you to anybody who has taken the time to share my podcast with other people. I know that in the first week, I had somebody that reached out to me that said that the first episode meant a lot to to them. And they're like, hey, I, I shared this podcast with some friends and family because it really meant a lot to me. And, and it means a lot to me to hear stuff like that. So I appreciate everybody for the support. And the other thing I wanted to mention today, this is pretty exciting for me, is there? there's this thing called pod fade. Pod fade is essentially when somebody who's new to podcasting gives up on it. They'll go through a brief period where they start podcasting and then they get wore out and they're like, you know, I just don't want to do this anymore. And statistically, according to some stuff I'd seen on the internet, it's around episode eight that people normally pod fade. So I don't remember if it's episode seven is the last one or episode eight is the last one, but usually right around there on episode eight, they get burned out on it and they realize they don't really like it that much and they bail. So for me, hitting episode nine was actually a pretty big deal. I've been looking forward to getting to episode nine because then I've beat that initial group that quits, which means you're probably stuck with me for at least a little while, right? I'm not going to be one of those people that bails right away. So I thought that was pretty cool. It's something I've been looking forward to. It's kind of a milestone as far as keeping the podcast going. And I think that's exciting. But anyways, to get into today's content um, on the idea of wilderness, where we're talking about Jesus, Jesus's time in the wilderness, and the idea of how the wilderness is a time of testing. It's a trial. It's a, it's a time uh, for Jesus. It was a temptation, but ultimately I want to focus on the idea of testing. 
And the testing doesn't normally feel good in the moment. A good analogy that I was thinking of is it's almost like exercise or working out or things along these lines where the goal is to actually tear muscle. If you're, if you're working out, if you're lifting weights, the goal is actually to tear muscles down so that they can rebuild stronger. They'll come back stronger. They'll come back with more endurance. Uh, maybe do more reps at the same weight or a higher weight. You know, there's kind of that idea of, of getting stronger. And the actual act of lifting or exercising, whether, I mean, even if you're just riding a bike, it can be, you know, an exercise that is tearing down muscles and breaking them down. And the object of this test is never to destroy them or to destroy you. I, I can't think of a single person that would lay down on a bench press. If you don't know a bench press, you lay down on your back and you're like parallel to the ground and you're pushing a bar with weights on it away from your chest, like vertically. And if, if you put on too much weight and you can't get it up, it could fall on you and, and hurt you, potentially like crush your neck if you, if you do it like worst possible scenario, right? But that's not the goal. The goal isn't to go and lay down and get yourself hurt. The goal isn't to put so much on that you fail and get hurt. That's never the goal. The goal is to, for one, to, to get stronger and then to see how much stronger you are. It's, it's like a test. So when you get stronger, you can measure how much stronger you've, you've gotten by testing your new abilities. But the goal, again, is never to completely destroy muscles. It's the, it's the small tears that end up rebuilding back stronger. You never seek to actually just rip your arm completely. And so in the same way, our, our, the testing of our faith, it's meant to, to help us get stronger and help us to show how far we've come with God. The goal is never to destroy our faith. The goal is not to completely obliterate our faith. The goal is to refine it, to strengthen it, just in the same way that exercise does. So in light of this, before I get into Jesus's temptation and testing in the wilderness, I want to read two other New Testament scriptures on the idea of trials and tests. And the first one comes from 1 Peter chapter 1, it's verses 3 through 7, and it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now he's talking about in this, we rejoice, even though there has been trials that are coming and why can we rejoice during trials? Why, why can he say, is he saying that we can stand firm during trials? Well, he, he starts off right. That list originally, I was just going to try to read one verse. And then I realized, you know, when he's he starts off explaining how you can make it through trials. And I said, I can't cut that out. So he starts off saying, Hey, you've been born again to a living hope. You've been born again. And our hope is alive. We don't have hope in, in something that's dead or a person who's dead. And so that, you know, during difficulties, we can rejoice because we know 
that that God's going to be faithful, that he's, you know, he's caused us to be born again. And there's a living hope. He said again, because Jesus has risen from the dead. We have a living hope whose name is Jesus. And the reason he's a living hope is because he's no longer, you know, in, in the, in the tomb, you know, the stone was rolled away and he's risen. And so through that, we can rejoice. He says that we have an inheritance in heaven and our inheritance in heaven cannot perish. It cannot fade and it will not go away. We don't have to worry about, you know, people today, it's funny, you know, people are always worried about the stock market when there's big changes in the world, like, oh, you know, what, what's the stock market going to do? Or, or when there's po- political issues or, or different parties doing or whatever, you know, not to get into all that, but people get worried about it, you know, and we have an inheritance in heaven and we don't have to worry about inflation. We don't have to worry about crazy things that are changing or, you know, people going back and forth and having one person that's in charge and then having somebody else that's completely different in charge and then going back and forth. Like we don't have to worry about losing our inheritance in heaven. It it will not perish. It will not fade. It will not go away no matter what it's there. It's in like almost like our heavenly bank account, right? That it's not, it's not going to go away. We don't have to worry about losing that investment that we've put up there in this life by serving God. And that's a reason we can rejoice during trials, because no matter how bad it gets, we have an inheritance in heaven and it's, it's eternal and it will not go away. And then another thing he said is that God's power is guarding us by our faith. And then he said that your salvation will be fully revealed at the end of time or at the end of your life. When you go to heaven, you know, on earth, we have salvation still. Like we, we know that we're saved. If you're serving Jesus, if you've confessed him as your Lord and, and Savior and, and you've made a commitment to serving him in life, you're, you know, you're saved. But it really comes to, to reality when you're actually there face to face with him and you realize, you know, just how true it all has been. But these are all reasons that we can rejoice, even though we're going through trials, because these trials aren't meant to destroy us. Again, the object of, of lifting weights is not to tear muscles in half. It's the, it's the smaller tears that allow it to rebuild back stronger. And I love that Peter said, you know, the testing of your faith, the tested genuineness of your faith, it's more precious than gold. It's not like gold, because guess what? Gold eventually perishes. Gold is not eternal. You know, all the things of this world are not eternal, but our faith, when it is tested, it is not, the aim is not to be destroyed. It's, it's to purify it. It's to strengthen it. And, and I love the idea of it being purified like gold. And that's what it is, is that eventually though gold perishes, though everything in this world perishes, we have an eternal inheritance with God. And a second uh, scripture on testing that is really good in my opinion is in James chapter one, lots of chapter ones. It works out pretty good says in verse two, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And so James, I mean, this is kind of a crazy, crazy idea to think about. He said, hey, when you fall into these different trials, you know, count it all joy, be happy about it. Like, why would you not be happy about it? It's a trial. But he's saying that you know that when you're tested, when your faith is tested, it will produce steadfastness. It'll produce endurance. And are, are these trials in our lives, right? This time of wilderness, this time of testing, the goal is not to destroy our faith. It's to examine it, to determine whether or not it is genuine. I love that Peter, when he wrote about the tested genuineness of your faith, and James wrote about the testing of your faith, it's the same Greek word. And it's to prove whether or not something is genuine. 
And so essentially you can take away from this that a faith that is not tested cannot be genuine. It's in those difficult times that your faith is proven as to whether or not it is truly strong, as to whether or not it is truly genuine. And as James said, the result of this testing, you know, it's not destruction, it's steadfastness, it's endurance, it's perseverance, it's patience, it's all these these good things that come, but they can only come through the test. It's like if you ever go for a run. I, I did a lot of running last year. I've had, um, I ended up getting COVID and then stopped and I'm trying to get back into it. But, you know, endurance is this whole different subject from just weightlifting. You know, you run for, for a couple miles and you have to be able to endure. And the only way to do that is, is to go through it. And then once you go through it, then you learn to endure and, you, and you're able to, again, build that strength so that you can go further in the future. And that is the testing of our faith. It's to build that endurance so that we can make it through this life and knowing that, hey, I can be joyful during this trial because God is bringing me out stronger. He's giving me this endurance that I need and he's proving that my faith is genuine. So in light of those scriptures from the New Testament on the idea of testing, I wanna read about Jesus's temptation in the wilderness or his testing in the wilderness. You'll see in this that both Jesus's identity and his obedience were tested. Satan came to him and consistently said, if you are the son of God. You know, he's challenging his identity. Are you truly the son of God? If you are, then do this. And, and Jesus would respond with the, with the word and say, no, I'm not gonna obey you. I'm gonna obey God. So his, both his identity and obedience were tested and this is something we can learn from. Uh, you can find this story in Matthew chapter four, Luke chapter four, and Mark chapter one. It's in all three of the synoptic gospels which is pretty cool. And one thing that I, I thought was so neat about this is in each of those gospel accounts, there's a specific order to Jesus's life right around the wilderness. So first, Jesus is baptized, and baptized by uh, John the Baptist in the River Jordan. Then he's immediately taken into the wilderness. And then immediately after the wilderness, he begins his public ministry. He starts by calling disciples and, and doing miracles and these different things. So we see in Jesus's life, when he's about 30 years old, he's baptized, he goes into the wilderness, and then he enters ministry in that order. And so I want to start with his baptism. I'm reading from Matthew's account. This is Matthew chapter three, verses 16 through 17. It says, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Now, this is interesting. That's uh, chapter three, verse 17, immediately afterwards. In chapter four, verse one, it says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So we see here that Jesus receives this, this awesome you know, commendation from heaven saying, this is my son. I'm well pleased. Like how often does a voice come from heaven saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. As far as I know, it's only ever happened for Jesus. And immediately afterwards in the next verse, he goes from being, you know, the delight of, of the father, the beloved of the father. And in the next verse, he's driven into the, into the wilderness. And not only that, it's the spirit that led Jesus into the wilderness. The devil didn't go find Jesus and drag him into the wilderness. It was the work of the Holy Spirit of God who led Jesus into the wilderness immediately after he was commended by God from heaven for being God's beloved. 
So in your life, if you ever go through a time of wilderness, time of testing, time of trials, time that's dry or difficult, and God feels far from you, think about Jesus's time, right? For one, if Jesus had to go through the wilderness, who are we to think that we can avoid it? But then two, Jesus was beloved. It was announced from heaven. And then the Holy Spirit took him into the wilderness. So it's not that God is far from us. Again, it's something that God orchestrates in our lives. It's not like he's leaving us. It's something that he's using to prove the genuineness of our faith, to build endurance, to build strength, and all these things that we need to serve him. But it's not its not a work of the devil. And it's something that we can rejoice in knowing that God loves us so much that he wants to work on us in this way. It's pretty cool. So back to Matthew chapter 4. Verse two says, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, which I think is one of the most hilarious verses in all of the Bible, because if you could fast for 40 days and 40 nights and not be hungry, I mean, he is Jesus, but it's kind of amazing to think like, Hey, he was hungry. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not surprised, you know, but this is where Jesus was at. So Jesus had been in there for 40 days and 40 nights. And then at the most difficult time, the tempter, the devil came and said in verse three, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, if you think about it, Jesus, again, as I just said, he was hungry because he hadn't eaten for 40 days. The devil didn't come to him immediately after he had eaten and he was full and said, hey, I'll make these stones into bread. No, he went at the worst possible time when Jesus was the most susceptible. But this is what Jesus said. He said, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It says, then the devil took him up to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord, your God to the test. Verse eight says, again, the devil took him up to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. But Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. So this was Jesus's time in the wilderness. Again, the devil came at the most difficult time. You're most susceptible to temptation at certain times. You're not susceptible to to getting food, you know, in, in an improper way like Jesus was here, which obviously we wouldn't have the temptation to make stones into bread. We would just go to the store and buy bread. But Jesus was susceptible and he still conquered temptation, which is such an example for us that even at the worst time, like the, the devil didn't come to him at at an inconvenient time for himself, he went at the worst time for Jesus. He knew that this was the time Jesus was most susceptible, and yet Jesus overcame. But here's the thing. Jesus went through this test. It was difficult. He went through this time where he was physically famished and, and, and tried and tempted by the devil. But immediately afterwards, he begins his public ministry. After 30 years of waiting, Jesus goes, he starts to call disciples, and he, he begins performing miracles and all these things. So in light of that, don't let trials and tests in the time of wilderness destroy you and your faith. Remember, the time of wilderness is a test that God is going to use to prove that your faith is strong, that it is genuine, and then he'll use it to strengthen you and your faith so that you can persevere in the future. Again, with the weightlifting example, it would be so that you could lift 
heavier weights in the future. It's to grow your faith and to strengthen you. So I hope these three episodes on the idea of wilderness have been helpful to you and a blessing and that it helps you if you're in that season right now. And if you're not, I hope that you can remember some of this when you are going through it. Remember that even though the wilderness season can be difficult, it is orchestrated by God for our good and his glory. If you remember all these instances I've shared uh, from scripture, there was something glorious on the other side. Moses went through the wilderness and he was obscure and out in the desert. But afterwards, he became the deliverer of the nation of Israel and their leader. It was this great thing that he got to do, but it was only after the wilderness. The nation of Israel inherited the promised land after their wilderness. The promised land had been promised for hundreds of years, and they didn't get it until after they had gone through the wilderness. And then Jesus, after 30 years of waiting, only began his ministry after the wilderness. So I believe that God has something prepared for you on the other side of your wilderness as well. Stand strong during the trials, for God will surely use them. So with that, I thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Without Exception podcast. I pray that this episode has been edifying to you and that it is something you can put into practice in your own life. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe and share it with others. If you were listening on Apple, I would love it if you would leave a review. It helps with the exposure of the show. That said, I pray you have an awesome week. And until I see you next time, let's live out our faith each day without exception.